0: Well, hello, and welcome back to the StormDAR Weather Podcast, Episode 14. I'm your host Randy Luna, and I'm Corey Taylor, and this is our "Severe Season Is Here" edition. Severe weather this week, maybe out west? Yeah, here? I, I think. Uh, well, our weather pattern has shifted, transitioned pretty much from a northwest flow, which is what's been keeping us in these cool temperatures and occasional shots of rain. Now we're in a southwest flow, and it looks like. Storm systems now coming down from Canada, sliding down in, in Arizona are going to have that classic severe weather characteristic. But it's that time of year, every year. This is a good week for severe weather. Yeah, and tomorrow is May. This is, wow. uh, this is April 30th. I can't believe it's May already. It snuck <laughs> up on me. You know, yeah. April
1: was more like March feeling to me. It kind of came out, come in, come in like a lion. We
0: had snow on April 1st, and then uh-huh. today it's like a lamb. Yeah, it's the you know, it's the first weekend in the entire month of April we've had anything. Yeah, isn't that nice? It's it it's great. I mean, and plus uh, the temperatures were cool enough over the weekend, and now so that we're in this southwest flow and the atmosphere starting to get all stirred up and everything, we're the they're we're bumping back up to above normal temperatures. It's gonna be a a toasty week. It's toasty out right now. What is it? Uh, today's supposed to be around eighty, either side yeah. of eighty. And... Yeah and tomorrow and uh, I got about 78 on my watch right now 78 wow yeah i had the house open but uh i like to have the house open when it's about 69 70 degrees yeah that's good yeah and then uh, my my front the front window faces the south so when the sun starts hitting it then the living room heats up and it could be 85 degrees yeah. and like that sure yeah but the basement's really cool and that's where my office is so i awesome i spend a lot of time down here yeah yeah it looks like this warm weather's going to last for monday tuesday and wednesday although the wind is going to pick up this is you know, like we mentioned this is the classic thing where the atmosphere is really starting to get uh swirled up and the there was
1: quite of a quite a breeze this morning i was outside quite a bit this morning i was planting some flowers i'm still dirty from the flower planting but uh it was blowing pretty well out there, actually. So
0: I think it's going to keep up a little bit. Probably I mean, most of the week. Yeah, and the humidity also is going to increase, which we all know. Well, you know what that means. Instability, and we like instability. We do, and if you want some instability, head out west. Because that's exactly where all this big storm and system is going to be. Matter of fact, the Storm Prediction Center has been watching this thing for six days now. It's been quite a while. They've, they've been pretty confident in their uh forecasting this storm coming in yeah when when they get i mean we have a day one day two and day three and that's the interim ones we look at but they also extend day four out to day eight and it's kind of rare that you see them plot something on day four through day eight i think we they picked this up on day six i believe yeah yeah and then uh then the next day which would be day five they started doing a 30 percentile which that really raised our eyebrows because they they rarely do that. And I thought, well, this could turn out to be a moderate risk, I mean, but the placement was all over the place, and that's why we hesitate to really start kicking stuff out there to people when things keep changing so broadly. I mean, things keep changing
1: uh, every day. Uh people post things on Facebook every day. That's not going to be set in stone until, you know, a day or two before but a lot of people are excited in Oklahoma because they haven't had any tornado warnings yet in Oklahoma. Now, we've had tornado warnings already this year for Taney County. Oh, yeah. Not for Branson. They've set a record. This is historic. So far this spring, well, uh, tomorrow will be May 1st, zero tornadoes for Oklahoma. Zero. zero. That's zero. rare. It's pretty crazy, actually. And uh,
0: But it looks like it's going to kick into gear here uh, in the next uh, few days for sure. Yeah, today they've had. There's a slight risk, but that's kind of for Western Oklahoma, kind of the, you know, panhandle like Oklahoma City, maybe to the west. It's a thin line because uh, right now the storm is just trying to get its act together, and you got a, a cold front, dry line trying to develop, and then all the tons of this moist, warm air moving in. So, uh, yeah, I, I imagine Oklahoma is probably going to see some some warnings. Out let's of this talk one. about let's talk about uh, what a cap is because we're definitely going to have a cap that's right uh, we're, uh a cap is a layer of warm air that's in the mid kind of the mid levels of the atmosphere and what that does is prevents any upward motion so yeah we all know the way a thunderstorm is developed uh you have to have a bunch of warm moist air lifted up into the sky and then it condenses as the temperature cools but when you have a cap on there it's kind of like having a lid on a pot of boiling water that steam just can't go anywhere it just sits there and those storms can't pop yeah a matter of fact a lot of times with a with a cap you don't even have clouds it acts kind of like a high pressure system in a way but eventually and that uh, backing up that's what's going to happen to us on Wednesday so we're seeing all of this activity way out in Oklahoma and Kansas with an enhanced risk as of today and that's just going to fire but a cap is going to be over southwest Missouri so everything's going to bump into that and just not be able to keep going, and I think that's what's going to happen on Thursday. They were talking about that the cap will eventually break. Yeah, I mean you have to have you know take the lid off of the pot of boiling water at some point. But by the time that gets here, it everything I've read says that that severe threat is going to be a lot lot lower by the time it gets here. And it usually is, of course. It's the the Branson bubble is sure. uh, or Branson Dome is now expanding to <laughs> cover all of Southwest Missouri. Why not? <laughs> Although I did see today on the Storm Prediction Center, the slight risk has been extended into—this is for Wednesday—extended pretty much along and west of of Highway 65. I noticed that,
1: but uh, I've seen that. That's a
0: classic spring setup for us.
1: You know, we stay up late. By the time it gets here, we might get a couple sprinkles. And you and I are disappointed because we didn't have any of the excitement that they had earlier in the day, but— we're so tired, we don't care, you know, so we go to bed.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's like 1 or 2 o'clock. It is. You and we, I are texting each other and going, Ugh. We stayed <laughs> up for this. <laughs> then we're disappointed, and then it's like, good night, and then we just closed down. And everybody else is
1: pretty happy, you know, about not getting blown away or whatever.
0: Yeah, I. it, it kind of amazes me at the different, different perspectives people have. Some people are, I mean, on one end, are just terrified of even a little bit of thunder and on our end, it excites me so much. If we get thunder and severe weather, oh, sure. I can't go to bed. I don't know. My, you... my new bedroom is all glass, so I have a, an entire
1: glass wall that I'm going oh, to open the windows and watch the lightning while laying in bed and playing Storm dar.
0: Oh, that, and that's the thing, too. If, if a, a storm happens like at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm sound asleep, and that first little rumble of thunder kind of wakes me up and then i see the room light up with a little bit of lightning i'm like okay oh, yeah. i'm up sure <laughs> I'm, I'm up i can't i can i i think i've been that way i've ask my mother i've i've been that way since i was a little kid like 13 oh me too about you know 80 90 years ago when i was when i was young but uh yeah uh but uh, they were talking about the potential for flooding as well and that's kind of They've gone back and forth on, on precipitation all week. Well, you've been monitoring the the WPC, for Weather, yeah. weather Prediction Center. Yeah. Did, didn't, you, didn't you send me something the I other did. day? It said like three, three, four inches. Three inches.
1: Yeah. And then the next run, it was down, and
0: I haven't looked at it today, so I don't know
1: what it was. But I'll have to check that. It's not anywhere near what they were thinking.
0: Oh, yeah. And then I checked it, I think, the next day, and I looked, and it said, oh, maybe a half to three quarter. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I the whole thing is... What's going to happen is this storm system. It it's northeast of here. It's going to be pretty much in Nebraska with a trailing cold front and a dry line, and that's where that uh, outline is for the Storm Prediction Center, Kansas and Oklahoma. But what's going to happen? That's the the, the cold front is going to come through, and we're going to have a little weather uh, or a wind pattern upstairs. It's going to kind of sink that cold front down and originally a couple of days ago they were talking about the front maybe stalling and we all know what happens when fronts stall that you get that training action you get several inches of rain uh this isn't a classic flood setup but uh the latest data and stuff i've heard this morning says that front's just going to go down to arkansas and then it's just going to wash out and now they're saying the forecast for friday for branson is sunny So let's get out of here.
1: Do you remember a year ago, I believe today and tomorrow, is when uh, Neosho and Seneca and uh, parts of uh, the Ozarks had some pretty torrential rainfall and some some, uh, major flooding, flash flooding happened this this week last year.
0: I think I said something. West Plains was underwater. West Plains was underwater as well. Yeah.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. And then it all ended and we were in a drought for the rest of the year, but... But that was a year ago today and tomorrow.
0: I I certainly hope, and we've mentioned this before on the podcast, I certainly hope that Mother Nature can space out these systems so we don't get a a deluge of 10 inches of rain and then none for the rest of the summer. So far, so good. It's been
1: pretty consistent throughout this, this season, this year. We've had, I think, one biggie or two. But other than that, they've been pretty well spaced out so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, April has certainly been sure. every, of course, every weekend. I mean, why not? Everybody's off on the weekend. Mother Nature comes out and says, "Hey, you're out trying to do stuff, so I'm going to rain or snow on you." There Absolutely. you go. So I <laughs> hope everybody's been out uh, this past weekend with the with the 70s and stuff. And you know, with the all this activity coming up, there's going to be a lot of watches and warnings, and we're going to provide those for you as we get them of course um hopefully there won't be a pds tornado watch coming out but uh, not around here no 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 this would be probably in oklahoma we'll we'll be watching it those make me off to tingly yeah <laughs> <laughs> we see a pds we're like oh boy here we go um So anyway, today's weather school is all about watches and warnings. So if you're not exactly sure what a watch or a warning is, this weather school is going to cover all of that. So let's take a listen. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, stormed our weather school Today's topic is all about watches, warnings, and advisories. What do they mean? how they could impact you, and what you can do to keep your family safe. The National Weather Service has issued tornado watch number 134, effective in the National Weather Service in Detroit. Pontiac has issued a flash flood warning for... National Weather Service in Chicago has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. The National Weather Service in Duluth has issued a blizzard warning. There's quite a wide variety of watches and warnings and advisories, and they're all issued by the National Weather Service offices in the United States. But let's focus on probably the most common watches out there, and especially in the springtime. They're the Severe Thunderstorm Watch and the Tornado Watch. These two particular watches are issued by a branch of the National Weather Service called the Storm Prediction Center and they're located in Norman, Oklahoma. This is their only job, to keep watch over atmospheric conditions in the lower 48. Whenever they see a cold front coming or something dynamic that's going to create hazardous weather conditions, such as severe thunderstorms or tornadoes, it's their job to map out where they think this is going to happen, the magnitude of the potential risk, and the time frame that this could occur. Let's focus on the severe thunderstorm watch right now. A severe thunderstorm is defined as either wind speeds in excess of 58 miles an hour or hail larger than one inch in diameter. A severe thunderstorm could contain both of these hazards, but sometimes you just get a gust front that's really, really strong, or sometimes it's just a hail event, and that depends on how the atmosphere structure is set up. One of the key ingredients in a severe thunderstorm is wind shear, and that is winds going different directions with height. So at the surface, you could have south winds go up about 3,000 feet and the winds could turn. They could be from the southwest or the west, or even higher, they could turn even more. But if there's not a lot of wind shear upstairs, then the atmosphere doesn't have the ability to twist. Therefore, the tornado risk is rather low. So that's why they would only issue a severe thunderstorm watch for the potential for very large hail or damaging winds. Now, on the flip side of that, we have the tornado watch. The tornado watch encompasses exactly the same thing as a severe thunderstorm watch would, except for the fact that there is very strong wind shear upstairs and the atmosphere will have the capability of twisting so they will outline an area of the greatest potential for tornadic supercells to develop. These severe thunderstorm and tornado watches issued by the Storm Prediction Center are usually popped between six and eight hours before the actual event takes place. An average watch box would cover about 25,000 square miles, and that's roughly about half the state of Iowa. The Storm Prediction Center does not issue severe thunderstorm or tornado warnings. Those are handled by the local National Weather Service offices. The severe thunderstorm and tornado watches are to alert the local offices and emergency managers of the potential for hazardous weather developing later that day. So when the watch goes into effect, the National Weather Service starts monitoring atmospheric conditions locally and watches radar. We get a lot of information from radar and storm spotters who are out watching the weather, and they can report back to the National Weather Service with hail reports, flooding, or high winds. They even report sightings of funnel clouds, and that would prompt the National Weather Service locally to pop a tornado warning for that area or just a severe thunderstorm warning if there's no rotation detected. The severe thunderstorm and tornado watches and warnings are just two of many, many types of weather hazards the National Weather Service will issue watches, warnings, and advisories on. Another big one is the flash flood watch and the flash flood warning. More people are killed by flash flooding than lightning or tornadoes. So let's explore some other watches, warnings, and advisories. In the winter, We have the freeze watch and the freeze warning. The freeze watch in the fall indicates temperatures are expected to get well below freezing for several hours, and that will in turn end the growing season. In the fall, freeze warnings are usually issued only once, but in the spring, freeze warnings are issued after the growing season has started back up again, so people can take precautions to protect plants that could be affected by the sub-freezing temperatures. The precursor to a freeze watch and a freeze warning is a frost advisory. That's when temperatures are only expected to get around 32 degrees, maybe 30 degrees, and the hardy vegetation will be able to withstand those cold temperatures, but the sensitive plants won't be able to. Also in the winter season, There's the winter storm watch and the winter storm warning. These are issued when heavy snow is expected to develop and make travel very, very difficult. And the most intense watch or warning issued by the National Weather Service in the wintertime is the ice storm warning. Ice storms cause devastation, power outages, and travel is almost impossible. So if you happen to get under an ice storm warning, you really need to take precautions to prepare for the potential of several days without power or water. Other types of watches and warnings and advisories include fire. The red flag warning is very common, usually when low humidities and very high winds cause grasses to dry out and any fire can quickly get out of control. In the summertime, heat is a big killer. So the National Weather Service will issue heat advisories or excessive heat warnings. So the bottom line, it really doesn't matter what time of year it is or where you live in the United States. At some point, you're probably going to be under some kind of watch warning or advisory. And they should not be taken lightly. You should always have an emergency preparedness kit handy. Your kit should include water. One gallon of water per person per day for at least three days. Food. Keep at least three-day supply of non-perishable food. A battery-powered radio. A flashlight with extra batteries. A first aid kit. A manual can opener for food. And make sure your cell phones are charged before the event starts. One thing a lot of people don't remember to get is medications for you and your family the watches that are issued by the National Weather Service and the Storm Prediction Center give you a heads up that dangerous weather could occur later in the day. And if a warning is issued, then dangerous weather is occurring in your area and you need to take the necessary precautions to protect your life and your family. We hope we've been able to shed some light on the types of watches and warnings and what they mean so you can be better prepared in case you happen to be under one. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. You know, I never realized there were so many different types of warnings that the National Weather Service has. I mean, winter, fire, heat. And some people don't even know what they're for. Like like when they issue the red flag
1: warnings, I always get questions about what is that exactly? Yeah, because it doesn't ever say red flag doesn't ever say fire or wind in the warning anywhere. So it's like oh,
0: just says red it? yeah red flag. That's like having a pillow warning. Well, what's that? Well, it's going to be dry and fluffy. You know, it's like that a checkered of...
1: flag warning <laughs> for race car drivers.
0: Yeah, what's that mean? We don't know. <laughs> oh, what you got? Did you check that? Well, out? we
1: checked the uh, WPC uh, seven day rainfall uh outlook and they've really lowered it for us they've lowered it down to eh, somewhere between a quarter and uh half an inch of rain we're even that low now that's not
0: a whole lot and that's for the next seven days so yeah that that's quite a difference from what they were saying three days ago yeah they were saying about three inches and i was excited have the rain gauge out and and all that all that kind of stuff and (laughs) i got mine i got a big one Oh, that's right. You got a huge rain gauge. It's big.
1: <laughs> I'll post it on Storm Stormdry when we get some rain, but it's, uh, I got it at Menards. It was on sale for seven ninety nine. I can see it without leaving the house, and it's across my backyard. I can see exactly how much is in it. It has a little fluorescent colored floater in it that floats with the rain. Oh, that's cool. So you can read it from several, you know, tens of feet away.
0: So it's really cool. I got to tell you a funny story. My mother uh, has one, not, not like the one you had, but it's an old one. And she couldn't, it, it's out in the middle of the backyard, and it's one of the really big girth ones, you know, so it, you can see it. But she never really could see it, so you know what my dad did? Put a ping pong ball in it. Yep. <laughs> a little orange ping pong ball. Now she can look out and, and see that. Oh, speaking of my mother, she texted me the other day, we have the first, <clears throat> her first hummingbird sighting of the year. Well, so did I. In Springfield. Oh, down here, too? Yep, down here, too. I uh, put mine out uh, three or four days
1: before I saw one brand new, brand new location. So they had to scout it out, you know. Oh, right. So uh, hopefully, one found it and can make it its new primary source of sugar water. Nice. I make my own food. You make your own. So does my mom. I don't put the food coloring in it or anything. I just no, huh? I just make my own food, and, and you got to make it pretty. You got to really watch the sugar to water ratio because. If you use too much or too little, it just doesn't, it's not good for them. So you got to be careful about that. I think it's four parts water to one part sugar. So I like four cups of water and one, one cup of sugar. You boil the
0: water, then you mix the sugar in. That's all it is really. Hummingbird nectar. I like that. That's probably what my mom does. I'll have to ask her. So mom, I know you're listening to this when we, when we get it. so, So text me and let me know. My kids will name my hummingbird Henry every year that we have a hummingbird,
1: uh, we we'll always have one that really kind of claims the feeder and fights off all the other. Ah, yeah. So they usually give him a name. In the past few years, it's been Henry. Of course, we don't live in that house where Henry is, but I bet I bet Henry has returned to the
0: Taylor house. Oh, so, so that's the permanent name Hen- for Henry the, the Hummingbird. Henry the Hummingbird. Got and it. And he
1: fights off all the other hummingbirds because that feeder is his.
0: Well, and you know what? You know, their, their, their little wings just flap so fast. I think I figured it out. It's all that sugar.
1: Nah, I bet it is. They have to have that That's sugar.
0: <laughs> All they do is My daughter's to... the same way. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I've always heard that. Don't don't give kids uh sugar, or they're going to take off into outer space right. or whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I got a really cool word for our next segment. Well, I can see what that word is. You're going to have some explaining to do here in a second. Okay, let's play the jingle. Woohoo! It's the weather word of the week. And there you go. I can never get tired of listening to that. It's, a, it's priceless. It's
1: the, the highlight of the week for me to listen to that.
0: Oh, well, I'll, I'll send it to you in MP3. Well, so. I have it. I'll, I play it on loop when I go to sleep. Oh, night. do you? Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's a good, good thing to go to sleep on. Anyway, okay, enough of that. The Stormdar weather word of the week. This week is... Hodograph. Interesting. H O D O G R A P H. The technical definition of a hodograph is a diagram that gives a vectorial visual representation of the body, of the movement of a body or fluid. The position of any plotted data on such a diagram is proportional to the velocity of the moving particle. And they also call it a velocity diagram. Now, what does that mean exactly for the English speaking listeners? <laughs> Okay. A hodograph. It's kind of a three-dimensional thing there. You got to really kind of understand it to, to, or, you know, understand the concept when they do the, the uh, uh, graph in order to understand what it's trying to tell you. But basically we all know that the, the weather service sends up weather balloons twice a day and it has a little radio sonde on it. And the radio sonde is a little device that measures temperature, pressure, humidity, wind speed and direction, and a couple other things, I think. Okay, that is going to ascend up in the atmosphere. So what it is doing, it is taking a reading. Let's just stick with wind. A hodograph uh, is what we use for wind, direction, and speed. So, so the higher up it goes, winds, we know, change direction with height. And they also, a lot of times, change velocity with height. So what this, as this weather balloon is ascending, it's taking note of the wind speed and the direction, and what that does once it goes way up in the sky, it sends that data back to the National Weather Service, and they plot it on a graph. So if you, it looks like a, uh, what do you call it, like a, a bullseye crosshairs type type of thing with circles around it, and <clears throat> the higher up it goes, it will draw and plot the direction of the wind and the wind speed. Now this is important. For a big reason, when severe weather is approaching, you can look at this hodograph and see where up in the atmosphere the winds are turning and going different directions. So, let's say five thousand feet up, they're going coming from the west at twenty miles an hour or twenty knots, whichever way you want to look at. It. And then at, at seven thousand feet, they're going northwest at thirty knots. So you can see that it, it, the wind is changing direction with height, or wind shear, as a lot of times you can detect wind shear from that. So so when severe weather is approaching, you can see the, the, the volatile atmosphere of how that hodograph and how the winds are behaving, and then that's where you can forecast, okay, is there going to be enough twist and spin to cause a tornado or a severe thunderstorm, or is the wind just you know, calm and pleasant and doing that game. So that's, that's what a hodograph does. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I highly suggest you go and, and Google hodograph and look at it because there, it took me about a week of just research to really understand what it's trying to show me. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't figure out. It just looked like a little pinwheel thing with crosshairs and circles on it. And I thought, well, that didn't mean anything. So it took me a while to figure it out. But once I figured it out, it made total sense to me. And that's one thing they use in the uh, skew T graphs. Uh, I won't get into that. That's weather jargon. Um, but that's how you can measure temperature. Uh, the skew T graph, we do temperature. The hodograph, we do uh, wind and stuff. So there's your stormdar weather word of the week. Awesome. Do you understand what a hodograph is now? I already knew what one was.
1: Oh, well, that's, I bet you did. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> those weather balloons are pretty cool. Yeah. Sometimes they don't get to where they're supposed to go. There was one stuck in a tree. Not too long, ago in there in Springfield. Did you hear about that? Oh, one? no. Uh-uh. They got one stuck in a tree uh, during uh, the launch. They were filming it. They they thought that it was a... Oh,
0: during the launch, uh-huh. so it didn't even
1: go up. It didn't even go up. <laughs> it was very windy that day, and it didn't go... It went over more than it went up before the tree line hit, so... Uh, <laughs> oops. Yeah. And there's always a bit... There's always... If you find one, it tells you to call the National Weather Service. This is a weather balloon. This isn't a UFO or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, I never hear of people finding a weather balloon. Have you? I mean... No, I think the weather balloon just just. Disintegrates. Well, they got the whole... Everything... All The uh, however, they what 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 does it look like?
0: What they the what they measure the the box, the radio sign, yeah, yeah, it, it's a box probably about as big as a shoe box yeah. and it has like an anemometer on it uh, that measures wind, that's how they can tell the wind. So, do
1: they drive over there and pick it up every day? I guess, and it has a GPS, or so they know exactly where it's at. Well,
0: actually, they uh, I just saw an art, uh, uh article on tv the other day about this yeah. uh one man found found him in in his yard but uh, a lot of them uh, go unrecovered but the the simple thing is if you find one on your property again it's not a ufo it's a radio sign there's a little i think they said there's a little latch on there that you can just pop open and it uh it has the address of the national weather service mm-hmm. and it's postage paid so all you need to do is take it to yeah. the post office and uh and just put it, you know, give it to them, or I don't, I guess you could put it in your mailbox. I don't know. That would know. be a
1: good, something uh, we could email the National Weather Service. What percentage do they get those back? I'm, I'm just curious. Do they get all of them back, like 50% of them back? Do people actually send them back that find them, or do they find them themselves? It's just a fun question to
0: email or ask them about. I think, I think I'll ask them. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, they're the National Weather Service is incredible at just returning your requests and stuff. Uh, so uh, like I said, if we get a question that we don't know, uh, we're not going to just make up an answer cause that's not who we are. Uh, one of us will just message the national weather service and get Absolutely. that information for you. So, yeah. And if you happen to find one of these, take a picture of it. Cause I'd, I'd like to see one up close. So I would like... too. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> and if it still has the balloon on it, that's even better. You get uh-huh. bonus points for that. <laughs> well, you got anything else?
1: Um, no, stay safe this week. If, uh, that cap does break. Uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners over in Oklahoma. They have a higher chance of severe weather over there, uh, actually starting today in the Western Oklahoma and mm-hmm. it gets closer every day, every day till Wednesday. Uh, Thursday is kind of up in the air right now. Uh, some people are saying, yeah, we'll have a little bit of severe weather. Some people are saying it's not going to be as strong. Time's going to tell on that. I yeah.
0: Guess. I, I've been seeing so many different. Sources. I mean, the main ones are saying just general showers and thunderstorms. So it, it looks like we're going to get some rain out of it, but I don't I so. know. I hope so. I hope we get some thunder. Oh, yeah. You know, it's that time of year. We need some thunder. It, it, it's May. Right. I mean, for Pete's sake, it's May. Let's let's get some severe weather in here. Why not? <laughs> okay. So be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your news feed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this week, so join us for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.